All right, Ivan Zhu, the friend from the past. How are you doing today, Ivan? I'm doing good. How about you? Oh, well, I think we're doing uh, splendid here. It's, I guess I'm I'm asking him the second time, but now it's official. So, look, man, I got to give you a quick intro, then we'll jump right into the questions. My friend Ivan is a, a Georgia Tech computer engineering and finance major. Uh, really, uh, an, really amazes me with all the stuff he can do with backend web development, and that encompasses a lot of stuff, right? So, robotics, web development, IoT. Fastidious is an understatement. That's the that's the word I looked up for this episode. I don't actually know the definition, so I'll I'll read it out so we can all improve the vocabulary. Showing or demanding excessive delicacy or care. Uh, someone who is fastidious that reflects a meticulous, a sensitive, demanding attitude. Sometimes difficult to please, but more often, I think it's someone who really is just like relentless. And, and they, they really build some cool stuff. Uh, Ivan, I'll give you some, some quick intro. This cat first entered my life in the seventh grade, uh, 12 years old, moving from Shrewsbury to Grafton, uh, which is interesting because now I moved from Grafton to Shrewsbury, but we'll get into a lot of that cool stuff. Uh, if nothing else, it's really great to catch up with you, man, and see how life has just evolved. I think it's really yeah. funny. This is, this is uh, Ivan has a, a picture of his graduation on LinkedIn, and I literally have not seen you since graduation. So this will be good. And that's like the only picture I have of myself. So. <laughs> cool, man, cool. So this podcast for all the new listeners is about bringing together diverse perspectives on technology. I'm excited to see uh, where Ivan's journey has taken him and what we can share with the audience in terms of engineering, business, uh, any mad scientists in the room and more. So yeah, so, appreciate yeah. it. Heck yeah, man. Heck yeah. So let's, let's take it from the top, man. 12 years old, right? Um, how old are you now? I am 19 years old. Damn, man. It's, it's been, old. it's, where did the time go, man? Seven years? Um, I don't know. It's kind of flew by, I guess. Well, some parts of it were slow, but most of it was pretty fast. Definitely, definitely. Can I ask you, like, let's start from the beginning. Like, you're right. 12 years old, you're coming in, uh, we're learning about, like, mitochondria and stuff. And can I, let me just get a sense, like, where did your interest in tech come from? Like, where... Um, let's see, back when I was a kid, um, I watched a lot of Shark Tank. So I knew I wanted to become an entrepreneur when I grew up. Um, I didn't know what to focus on primarily. So um, over the years in high school, I was kind of um, just doing the coursework, not really doing anything. Um, I got a bit into robotics, so I got a little bit of experience there. But um, I, feel like, I feel like my real motivation really kicked off. Um, uh, I would say during the quarantine. Um, first year of college, yeah. First year of college, I was really just doing the coursework. I wasn't really focused on anything really. Um, just focused on getting to the classes, um, going after my major and stuff. Um, it was during spring after they canceled school and kicked everyone out. Um, I went back home. I went back home during that time. Um, I actually moved to a different state, South Dakota. Um, my family owns a couple of um, properties there. So um, I pretty much worked over there during the summer. Um, and I had a bit of web dev experience 
Um, so I started developing software for them. And I can get into more detail on that if you want. But um, over the summer, um, I pretty much helped brand a lot of the properties over there, um, and as well as building the software to help support the system. Over time, um, just I started re I started reading books, finance books, um, self help books, technology books, um, and then it was during like end of summer 2020. We're in wait. Yeah, 2020. Okay. Um, end of summer 2020. Um, I I was thinking of going back to school, but I decided to take a take a semester off um, to really focus on what I wanted to do. Um, so it was during like the fall of 2020. I started reading a lot more books, getting into like tech, um, a lot of more projects, self side projects I started working on. It was really through that um, that I kind of just started, I guess, developing like a I guess like a knowledge towards like entrepreneurship and then like technology and the future of technology and where everything is going to be in the next decade or so. So that's kind of where I am at this point currently today. Oh, wow. man on a journey for sure. So it seems like your, your family has been like a big, a big support to you throughout this time, right? Um, yeah, definitely. Um, over the summer, they gave me something to do at least. Um, that definitely helped kind of kickstart um, my motivation and inspiration. So I definitely give a lot of props to my family, mainly my mom and dad, because that's kind of, I'm the only child. So big props to them. Cool, man, cool. So, you know, I think a lot of us, uh, I know I definitely, you know, you watch Shark Tank as a kid, you're seeing like Mark Cuban and all these people, like fancy people, like, um, you know, they're having fun with it too. And and do you think that was like the, the main driver? But like, what about, you know, like um, the business side of technology kind of grasp you? If you can go a little bit. Um, I, I don't know. I wouldn't say it focused like primarily on technology. Um, it's just like another, like, it would just be like general entrepreneurship, whether it's like oh. your own restaurant, um, business, whatever. Um, tech is just something I am focusing on currently, but in the future, um, we're not sure. But um, in terms of entrepreneurship, it's definitely just creating my own path. Um, I hate working for other people. Um, besides that, I just, you know, you want to build something from the ground up and sort of make an impact through that. For sure, so cool, man. So I like that, like that broad uh, perspective on things. So yeah, I, I think I'm getting a sense of here. Like, you, you know, I think we all kind of go through the coursework but quarantine, I'm not sure. How does how does being stuck at home uh, get you in that state of mind? Like, how did, did it like change the mindset, or like what was about that? Um, well, I, I'm actually a big believer in self reflection. Um, I think daily you gotta do it daily. I do it every morning now. Um, first thing in the morning, actually, I make my bed first. But first hour into the morning, um, I have a book I keep track of. Um, it has all my goals, all my, everything I'm grateful for, um, everything I'm going to do every day. So it's kind of like a good self-reflection mentality. Um, it's good to do it every day, but every once in a year or like a decade or so, you want to do like a general reflection of where you are. Just take some time off. Um, what are your goals? Where are you going to be in the next decade? You know, what's going to happen to your life in the future and how are you going to prepare yourself for that and work towards whatever you're accomplishing 
Um, so being stuck at quarantine, I really didn't have too much to do. That's kind of what forced me into it. Um, it kind of just forced you to think about yourself um, and what, like, again, what's going to happen in the next decade, where are you going to be in the next decade or so, um, and how are you going to get there? So it's kind of allowed you to focus on your goals, to sort of write down your goals. It's really helpful to write down your goals. Um, and it's just, again, working towards it and figuring out kind of like what's your purpose almost in a sense. So I definitely highly recommend, um, you know, taking like a month or two. It's not like a one, two thing. You got to take it. You got to take your time with it. Um, explore different things, read different books, read about other people's experiences and sort of get like a general sense of purpose. Um, I'm not sure if you heard this quote, but Mark Twain has a great quote. Ooh. Um, yeah, it was, um, he said, there are two greatest moments in a man's life. Um, the first moment is when they were born and the last mo and the second moment is when they find out why. So um, I think it's really important that you take your time to sort of understand why you were born and sort of your purpose and your legacy that you want to leave behind. Yes, I, I cannot believe like how many people like come to this podcast, like or, like other guests have said the version of this. Like I, I know like I've personally been uh, doing a little bit of that myself, dabbling in it. Can I ask you, have you ever had like a time where like you, you're trying to journal and stuff and like you kind of just like hit Roger's block? Like, you know, you just, that, like, what do you do in that kind of scenario? Like, um, I try to keep my journal simple every day um, to prevent that. Every day in the morning, I write three things I'm grateful for and then uh, three to four things uh, that three of the four most important things that I have to accomplish today. Um, what usually stops me is not the things I'm going to do every day, but the things I'm grateful for. Um, it's, yeah, um, I guess it's in terms of roadblocks, that's the kind of ones I have in terms of sort of appreciating what you have um, in the moment. Because for me, I'm, I feel like sometimes I'm really focused on my future and not focus on what's like, what's what I should need to appreciate currently even the smallest things to sort of kind of enjoy the ride as i go through my life or journey that's beautiful man so that's that's, that's like a nice way to like prompt yourself is like having that structure and okay i know i want to nice man i think all of us are are i think whether you're like in computer science or finance all of what we're trying to do is like betting on the future seeing where it's going to go so i relate to that yeah. yeah, I mean, if you can predict the future, you're going to be a rich man, so. <laughs> All right, so let's see. Um, South Dakota, right? I'm wondering, mm -hmm. like, so I know you come from, um, I know a little bit about your family because it really reflects a little bit about my story. Our, our family came from Pakistan, and they had their own real estate business up here in Massachusetts. What about South Dakota is... Um, I'm just curious, like, how did your family get involved in real estate over there? Um, I wouldn't say real estate, more like, um, not really, more like aggressive investments um, instead of passive, like, uh, like actual businesses, oh. um, like brick and mortar business. I'm sorry if I had property says terms of real estate. Um, more like actual businesses, um, like motels, primarily motels. Um, it's just my parents moved there just because of opportunity, uh, mainly my mom. Um, She's like a big inspiration for me, especially um, pretty much. Yeah, she 
worked herself from like nothing and started building like an investment portfolio um, and sort of just going up the ladder um, by yourself on or by yourself but through a family. Um, yeah, just working from the ground up, investing, um, working hard and just getting to where she is now. So that's, so I guess opportunity kind of um, made people, made us move to South Dakota. Hustling, man, hustling. This guy, this man and his family, like, are, like, that's the American dream. And, like, I, I got to say, like, personally, I, I, I love hearing stories like that because, you know, like it, it's a dream that, like, people who, who make their dreams real can actually, like, feel it. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I definitely, yeah. Um, I mean, as long as you have the right mentality, the right mindset, and the correct motivation, yeah, you can do anything. Hmm. Very cool. And this is, I, I, I saw your LinkedIn again, as I was, I kind of mentioned before, and you actually, you've been going to work too, man. I've seen like you're putting together a lot of um, technology, technical skills. I was wondering if we could go more into like, how did you, 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 you got to actually help out your family business with all the, the stuff you're learning. So I'm curious to hear like, how did that come into place? Yeah, um, definitely. So um, when I first worked there, it was summer of 2019. Mm-hmm. Was it or it was the 28? I'm sorry, it was like two to three years ago. I worked there over the summer. Um, that's when they first had the property. Um, I worked there over the summer. Most of everything was paper. Um, you know, paper it's 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 efficient. I would say paper is more secure than um, most of computer applications especially with voting processes these days but it's definitely more i would say it's more secure but um it's definitely not super efficient um if you're talking about efficiency um i knew i knew a bit of php and mysql back then so um it was 2019 fall or when i first started college um i built the first applicate the first version of it um it wasn't really good it was just through php um and the mysql as a database with um HTML embed, well, PHP embedded in the HTML. Um, over time, um, it kind of just, I sort of switched over to JavaScript because it was limiting. Um, and this was for a man, like a management system, just kind of just um, shift their management system from paper to like the computers for efficiency or computer applications. Um, over time, I got into JavaScript and Node.js, um, then developed a sort of server-side rendered application um, with Node or Express, um, the UI wasn't the UI was lacking and wasn't looking super professional. Um, so ultimately, what I have today, um, I deployed it last summer, 2020. Yeah, 2020 last summer. Um, so they were able to use it through the summer. Uh, my final or current version is a um, it's a it's a website um, for the hotel. Um, and then in the back end, there's like a management system. It's created with React Redux for the UI. Um, and it's connected to a Node.js backend server that serves as an API and WebSocket for like the live update connections. Mm-hmm. Um, and also has a background processing server also on Node to run some daily jobs, um, send emails, stuff like that. And then in the database, it's connected to um, MongoDB, for the more frequent uh, data, like reservations, a lot of daily reports, maintenance reports, housekeeping reports, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then I had a MySQL database um, to store like more, a bit more confidential, like customers or guests who have checked out um, and other 
stuff like that. And then um, when I first was looking at the deployment, um, I definitely wanted this thing to not just be like a small project. I wanted it to be like something I can build off of sort of as like a form. Um, so I looked and went to like a virtual machine and just ran it um, through a virtual machine on DigitalOcean. Um, over time, I looked into Docker and Docker Compose. Um, in the end, I ended up with using Kubernetes on DigitalOcean to make it a scalable uh, application um, on behind a load balancer Nginx controller um, to serve to public as well as database service on DigitalOcean as well as logic object storages um, to serve like images and videos and text files and stuff like that. So that's correct. The open source community of software just makes it so much easier to learn and understand everything, especially with the like the blogs on the internet, Stack Overflow, um, you know, different types of forms, Reddit forms, um, GitHub, GitHub repos, stuff like that. Just like the open source community just makes the learning curve so much like less for entry people. Um, and you know, you can ask questions anywhere, and there's experts here and there. They'll, pop in and answer questions. So I believe really um, today, it's really easy to get into software just because of how big the open source community is out there. Mm. Yeah, it, it's kind of ironic. Like we always call it like self-learning, but like, I don't, I feel like in reality, no one learns by themselves. It's always that community. And, and so it's, what I got from that is having that GitHub um, and like looking through those repos, I'm sure and looking up the documentation and all this stuff about, and also that it sounds like you, you use the Pomodoro technique a lot for that, that time. You say what? Sorry. I, I think it's, it's called the Pomodoro technique. Oh yeah. I think that's what it's called. Yeah. Very nice. I use that mainly for courses because that's when, especially when you have like a lot of different subjects you got to learn. Um, it's helpful in terms of that. And it makes, it kind of keeps you efficient and on task. And it's good to, you know, stop your brain thinking of some specific thing for once in a while, take a break and come back to it. Mm -hmm. Especially when you're debugging something too, also. For sure. Yeah, it seems like you like having that, 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 um, I guess you call it like rhythm, right? You go hard, then you take a break, you take go hard, then it takes the impulse back. It, it's, I know you, yeah, I did a little bit of swimming or actually a lot of swimming back home in, in, in high school. Is that kind of, you think that's like, has anything to do with, anything to do with how you learn and, or? Um, yeah, definitely in terms of training too. Um, when I swam, it was, um, we did a lot of just like, um, like training on intervals, interval trainings, um, where you would like sprint for like five, five 100 sprints. Um, and then each 100 would be in like a two minute interval. So you would like sprint, um, take like 10, 20 second rest and kind of sprint again. So that kind of builds endurance. Stanima, Stanima, Stanima. Um, um, yeah, so in terms of training, um, that's pretty effective way of training too these days. Love it. I love it. So just a few more things I'm curious about as we, as we go into it. And then I have a lot of, uh, a lot of just like fun lightning round questions. I know you now... You're at Georgia Tech, you're back you're in full, full on student mode. Why study finance? Like, 
how does that go in with, I know we mentioned a lot about business and like technology, entrepreneurship, uh, but like how has technology changed the landscape of finance in your opinion? Um, I haven't literally looked too much into finance. Um, in terms of finance and technology, um, a lot of fintech companies, um, you're starting to see a lot more automation um, in a lot of financial accounting processes. Um, so that's kind of a big thing these days. Um, there's also a lot of, um, in terms of stock investments, um, you're seeing a lot of um, AI algorithms and models, um, machine learning models to sort of predict whether it be stocks, cryptos, or um, whatever investments, bonds, whatever, rising bond companies. Um, what I really wanted to get into finance um, was mainly to sort of understand industry practices, and like market trends, um, different types of industries, explore different types of industries, um, and then as well as sort of build up my personal financial portfolio in case something goes really bad in the future. Right. But mainly, mainly to sort of learn about um, through stock, through investing, stock investing. Um, there's a great club here, Georgia Tech. Um, it's called the Investment Committee, where they kind of split students up into different groups or analysts. Um, and I think, the, uh, I believe they have like $1.5 million in investment funds. Um, and each, each group of students would get like a different sector and they would like pitch stocks and analyze stocks to invest a portion of that amount. Um, I'm definitely looking to get into that. Um, so in terms of that, just learning and understanding different industries, how industries work, how industries are operating and where industries will go in the future. So that's kind of why I got into finance. I'm sure you must have some opinion on the recent uh, GameStop scandal and, and all the, the short trades. Um, I haven't like... looked too much into that. Um, I see. I'm, I'm more focused on crypto. Um, I believe cryptos, yeah. <laughs> um, crypto, I think in the future, when talking about the next 10 to 20, to the next decade or so, um, crypto, despite its challenges today, um, it's going to be probably, it's going to grow. Um, it's only going to grow. Um, I think in the future, um, just my opinion, but in the future, um, next few decades, you're definitely going to see um, like a sort of decentralized model of, of most things from different industries, from water applications um, to, you know, technology applications, definitely a decentralized model um, instead of a centralized one that we have today. So I believe that's where the future is shifting towards. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, like, you get a lot of privacy out of that, too, when it's all decentralized. Um, yeah, like, I mean, I, this is just one quick example. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, doing, actually, I'm doing this research project um, at Georgia Tech here. Um, so it's, yeah. So um, it goes along with, like, water treatments. Um, so you know how, like, today um, most water treatment plants are, like, centralized in a way? Sure. Yeah. So, like, you have your city treatment plant, and that takes care of your water. You have, like, if you're like a Shrewsbury or town or something, you probably have like a municipal um, water treatment plant in Worcester or somewhere that treats water, right? So, if you think about it, most water treatment plants these days are centralized. Um, going towards that direction of decentralization, um, 
with this research, but well, like the issue with like a centralized water treatment plant is that in like rural, um, well, one problem is they take a lot of energy um, um, to process and clean the water. There's a lot of chemical layoffs, um, chemical byproducts that come as a result. Um, I know these days they use a lot of chlorine ions and copper ions. I'm not too good on the chemistry behind it. Um, but pretty, pretty much, much um, uh, there's a lot of byproducts. Um, water's not, it's safe to drink, but you know, over time there's definitely a sign of infection byproducts. Um, a lot of energy also going off of that. Um, you know, and especially like rural areas, like the countryside or like developing nations, they don't have like a central water treatment plant because it takes up so much energy and stuff that they don't have like the tools, you know, have the tools, like the resources to support those kind of facilities to treat the water. Um, so what this research project is focusing on, um, I actually just joined this semester. Um, pretty much, um, it's like a decentralized method of water treatment in a way. Um, that'd be really cool. So you can actually use your, what it's, the treatment plan is, um, it's, it uses, um, um, Forgive me if like chemistry this is really bad, but it, it's kind of like um, electrochemistry. So it kind of um, um, back in chemistry, um, there's like an electrode. It uses uh, CiCiCeCic, which is a form of copper electrode. Um, in a way, it kind of just um, and once you supply like a current or voltage um to the electrode, it kind of generates these electrons. And these electrons that generate like an electric field, um, and through this, it kind of just cleans. It kind of kills the bacteria in the water. So it's kind of like um, like generating an electric field in the water source, and then through the electric field, the bacteria. Um, what happens is that their membrane actually becomes very permeable, and then the cells, the copper ion cells, actually attack the bacteria. So it's kind of like an electric shock almost to clean water. Um, this way, so far, it's been researched to be pretty effective. And what this research is doing, um, it's using this method, and it's, um, it's using your smartphone. Um, so it's through like a mobile app, um, through mobile application. Um, it generates like uh, voltage through your battery because your phone is a pretty good power source. Um, it generates this voltage and it uses this voltage through like a really smart like hardware device that you can just carry around. Um, and then you kind of have like a bottle of disinfected water. You just use this, it's kind of like inserting a tube almost. Um, it kind of just cleans the water that way. So it's kind of like a decentralized model of cleaning water. Um, it definitely, a lot of applications. There's a lot of challenges today still going through with it. Um, that's why it's still kind of in the research phase of it. Um, but it's definitely a great, you know, solution to sort of clean water in a lot of like rural areas. Um, it's sort of like a decentralized model of you know, water treatment facilities. So I think that's just one example of decentralization. Um, obviously, you have like the decentralization of the internet, which is going to happen 10 to 20 years. Um, I know there are some startups right now where like um, going off of that decentralized model of the internet, um, there are some startups are focusing on what they're using like personal laptops and personal computers as like storages because like, the internet's basically just like web files um obviously one more on that but just a bunch of um web pages and web files um they're actually using like personal computers um they would pretty much just encrypt the data 
and then like store web files and stuff on personal computers and then pay you for that storage. Because a lot of issue these days is that not everyone is using like all the space available on their personal computer, all the hard drive space. Um, so what they're using is they'll pay you money for you to host like internet files and stuff. So that's, I know there are some startups doing that right now. Um, so that's again, preparing for a decentralized future, I would say. I love that. I love that. Like you, you, it, it's taking all these like ideas that like crazy people in their dorm rooms just come up with all kinds of like applications. I'm going to, I'm going to hold you to that prediction though. 10, I need 10 years, man. Come back on the podcast. We'll talk about my crypto. Um, yeah, I mean, maybe more than 10 years. Um, I know there's definitely going to be a lot of changes. Um, if you just look at the internet, um, back in 2000, well, 1990-ish, the internet really first came out. You know, a lot of people weren't too into it. Um, it was slow. There's still there were a lot of issues. But over time, um, you know, people adapt. Um, it creates jobs and stuff. And, you know, moving towards that. And then now we have the internet. Now it's like a mainstream. Even though back then there was a lot of critics about it. Um, one of my... I do have like a criticism of technology, technological advancement. Um, I'm not sure you've read this book. It was how to get ahead of the curve. Um, I doubt technology, it. technology curve. Um, or you predicted that technology curve was technology innovation was going to like go on like an exponential curve. Um, within the next decade or so. Um, so that's, you know, you got to get ahead of the curve. You got to stay ahead with all these new technologies. Um, my only issue with that is that it takes decades for certain technologies to like cement itself into society and not everyone is always ready to move on. Um, eventually people will move on because you always have new generations, but it doesn't, um, it takes, it takes time for society to like recognize new technology. So I think it's really just going to be a steady pace. It's not going to be like all of a sudden going straight up vertically. It's still going to be. Technology is going to advance, um, but it's going to be like a steady linear pace. You know, it takes a few decades and so, but we're going to go forward in terms of technological innovation. Right. right. I think it was uh, MLK who said, "If you can't walk, then then run. If you can't, well, if you can't run, then walk. If you can't walk, then crawl towards." progress I, I love seeing like yeah. you're, you're a reflective guy and i can see like even now like like all the stuff that's coming out you think about these things deeply you think about them with a lot of care fastidious um kind of uh, personality and i would have never thought of that kind of research project like taking a decentralized idea like i usually I, I thought of it like coming from the web and all this stuff and using it to Applying yeah. it to um, our water. Yeah, so again, like decentralized model, like it can be anything. Um, decent, just people haven't thought of it yet, but decentralization, I think it's going to be a big factor in the next few, next few decades. Yeah. And, and like the coolest thing, like, you know, we both come from uh, the, the Eastern side of the world. And like, we've seen, like, I'm sure like there's those communities who are rural or they're like in, in Pakistan where there's like not a lot of water, it'd be a, a huge benefit to them. And you're not like moving backwards. You're like, you're moving forward. Just, you know. 
Yeah, definitely. And um, just going on top of that in terms of like technical, technological process, um, I think open source, you know, open source is really, I think open source is really just like the biggest education and technological impact that like ever um, in a sense, because open source, um, it sort of allows anyone to learn anything really. Um, Especially so that's like software. Like if you think about it today, why is software like dominating everything? Like literally software is eating the world right now. It's eating the world because it was open source back in like well most of the software. It was open source like ten or uh, I'm not too sure, like ten or so years ago. A lot of soft a lot of open source technology were open source back in the twenty tens. Um and what that does is it allows so many people to learn these new concepts without school. Um, and they learn it by themselves just through this big community. And then, and then going, going along with that, we also have a lot of startups and companies building their technology and whatever problem they're solving on top of these, um, on top of these open source tools. Um, I went to career fair a few days ago, actually. Um, a lot of companies I talked to, you know, like a lot of data analytics companies and stuff like that, they're using like TensorFlow and Spark in Kubernetes, these open source technologies to, you know, to build whatever problem that they were trying to achieve or solve and to build their product. So open source is really sort of, you know, kind of uh, simulated the technological drive in terms of open source software. Um, it's really allowed a lot of progress in this field today. It's a lot of progress today and it will in the next few um, decades or so. And again, um, one of the things I also just briefly want to mention, um, you hear about a lot about open source software, um, but there's also been um, re more recently, I think 20, um, 2017 was um, open source hardware. Um, that's become, that's going to become a thing in the future. Um, yeah. Um, if you think about hardware, like, like you know, your computers, processors, and memories, a lot of it is often proprietary. Um, it's very concentrated in like Intel, ARM, um, a lot of these big chip manufacturing companies. Mm -hmm. um, but what's going to happen, I believe, also in the next few decades, okay, so. uh, RISC V, um, it's, it's like an instruction set. Um, pretty much RISC and SIS are the two main types of instruction sets. Uh, they're pretty much used to compile software to um, zeros and ones for the computers and read. Um, well, assembly language, actually. Um, with RISC and RISC, um, RISC V, um, RISC is the main processor that you see in your smartphones and on like IoT devices and stuff. Um, but RISC, RISC type, but now there's RISC V, which is a new version of RISC. Um, it was open sourced. And now you see a lot of companies building off of RISC V and developing their own like mainstream solutions to different problems. Um, so we keep going off of that, you know, that open source is the key to educating the world and starting new innovations in the companies. So um, a lot of, you know, it's open source is probably one of the biggest gifts to humanity, I would say. Wow, bold statement there, but I, I, I see it like clearly. Like, I think that's part of why, like, part of the reason why it's that, like, why guys like you and me exist, like, you know, yeah. young cats, you already thinking about these huge problems. One of my first guests was uh, a former G Tech uh, student. He started his own AR VR startup. That was 
yeah like yeah with open source um you can you've seen like individuals i think there's there's one individual who literally built his own um uh what is like ai what are they called um like you know what tesla does with their um, driving thing where it's like auto auto drive i don't know what it's called autopilot yeah like self-driving yeah self-driving car that was what it was um yeah like using these open source technologies because they don't have to build build themselves they use these technologies instead of this is one person literally build his own self-driving car like yeah so and you can as an individual and as like a group you can build like insanely new products built based off of these open source whether it be software or upcoming hardware wow this episode goes out to the crazy ones the people who and that probably was a really good feeling too. Like you've been working with all these open source tools and like you go out to a career fair, like, Hey, I know, no, I say, I know, like you ask them, what do you use? I use like the same stuff that you're already using. You must feel really, really, really uh, confidence booster. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, open source. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. All right, Ivan. I, we've, we've gone over a ton of stuff here, but, and I'm going to close out with just some some lightning questions. Time to kind of get really inside. We're going to ask the, the big ones here, all right? So, all right. What is the best Chinese food for people who don't like Chinese? What do you mean people? Okay, um, I guess. I'm asking, like, personally, right? I'm, like, I, I'm, like, I'm, tr- I'm trying to get better at, like, uh, learn different foods and stuff like what is the chinese dish that like even the most like um i don't even know how you describe like what's the chinese dish that anyone can can fall in love with oh okay i see what you mean um uh, i don't know i'm a big foodie um but anyone can fall i don't know um it really depends on the taste um because there's so many good food. Um, and if you're into like spicy stuff, you're into like salty stuff, you're into like sweet stuff, you're into like sour stuff. Um, there's, I would, <laughs> I don't know, I actually can't even answer this one because there's like so many good food. Um, especially if you go to like China, well, not just in the US. In the US, there's some good restaurants here, but if you really want to explore Chinese cuisine, I definitely go to China. Um, don't go to the big cities um because that's kind of where all the tourists are go to like the smaller cities um you'll find great food there um but yeah i, I really couldn't give you an answer because there's just so many different types of food we can't really think of one in particular that anyone would like all right, all right. Well, let me ask you this what's the best place to get chinese in in grafton or or Shrewsbury? if you're um I'm being really selfish. I would say Worcester. There's not really any good place in the shoes there. In Worcester, there's a place called Red Pepper. Um, it's really nice. You know, it's not like, it's all right. It's the best they got it there. It's not the worst. So it's called Red Pepper if you want to try it out. I got you, man. I got you. All right. Next one. If you could invent a new programming language, what would it be called and what would you use it for? Um, so don't get like has because like, I uh, I really don't know. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, like a programming language I would use. Um, 
I'm fine with the ones we currently use. Couldn't even think about the task of creating one. Um, I guess what I could do is um, like a voice programming language. Um, so like really, like you would say stuff and then would like interpret it as a language. Oh my god! I don't know. So instead of typing, you would like say it, and then like the computer would recognize what you're saying. Translate that to code. I've never thought of that, but that sounds like we're just we're just like yeah, like you don't have to program. You just have to like write down your business logic, and then the computer just knows what to code based on your requirements. Wow. Oh. But what if like you like what if like you don't understand like I feel like business logic is like a whole nother language itself. Um. Yeah. Definitely. That's why you want like have a good like a translator between like business and then engineering or product development. Um, that's why you see a lot of consulting roles. And there's a lot of consulting companies here in Atlanta. Um, but yeah, business logic is, it's, it's, um, what do you mean? Like, it's another language. I don't know, man. Like, cause, cause like, I mean, I, I don't know, man. Right. Like, is that something, um, I can ask you off the, the off the podcast. Is I, I my mother mother lightning question was, what would you say is the best purchase of a hundred dollars or less that has helped you most in college? Like someone who's coming up in into college, they're like self help book. Self help book. What's like your yeah, just just like load your room with self help books and um just. As one of my goals when I knew your resolution this year is actually to read 10 self-help books. Um, you think they don't help, but really read through them. And like, after you read them, like summarize them, like get a Google Doc and like write down everything, like summarize what you just learned. They're really helpful to your future and your current situation. Hmm. Any favorite authors or? or? Um, self-help book. Well, just like self-help books as well as like what I like to read is self-help books, um, as well as like technology books. Um, I recently just finished up this book. Um, it's called Bubble or Revolution. Um, it was about the future of cryptocurrency and blockchain. Um, it was like three different authors, but they also wrote Square to Unlock, which is another really popular book about like new technologies and stuff, like how Google search ranks and stuff like that. But um, yeah, I definitely recommend Bubble. Well, if you're into like blockchain, um and like cryptos um bubble revolution um in terms of finance books it's called verse that format um rubber free it's like some japanese last name um it's a really good book you're really that was like one of the first self-help books that i read i'm really helping me take on oh yeah Ro robert kiyosaki there yeah, yeah, yeah. famous guy too famous yeah I'm gonna share all. I'm gonna share all these links you're sharing with me. So I appreciate you, man. We'll we'll put that in the show. What is the proudest moment you ever had in programming? Um, proudest moment. Um, my proudest moment. I would say when I first started. Um. Uh, yeah, just getting into like everything. Um. Oh uh, yeah, when I first wrote "Hello World" um, in uh, high school computer science class, when you first read that "Hello World" program, oh, 
yeah. It was <laughs> probably just over. And it all just like it kicks out from there. So the match just like lights it everything up. Wow, fires up that J Creator Reds. I know you we we both learned Java as the first programming language. So shout out to yeah. Miss Allen out of, out there in Grafton High School. What is the yeah, look? Java is definitely one of my favorite programming languages. I haven't worked with too many, but I like Java's like number one. Okay, what? What about this, man? What is the lowest moment in programming? Um, lowest moment. I wouldn't say really programming, but kind of um, when you realize that people don't want to use your product or the the code that you developed, um. Like when I first um when I first developed that application, it just, it just wasn't good. It wasn't viable to anything. Um, and that's again one of the biggest challenges to the product development um, and for product managers is getting consumers to use that product. That's that aspect is harder than the actual technology behind the product or the math or the science behind it. Um, getting consumers to buy into to trust whatever you're creating and to spend money on it that's the hardest part of business well of of a startup i guess or in business in general amazing, amazing. yeah I, I expect like like the easy answers but you always you always over over here so my last thing here for you is oh, okay. if you could travel time right would you travel to the past or the future? I'd travel to the past. Really? Okay. Yeah. What time period? Um, 1990s. Um, internet revolution. Um, I think one of my big, um, I guess philosophies. I got this from somewhere else, but um, it was you have to understand the past in order to predict the future. Um, if you understand, because Everything goes in a cycle, um, whether it's world economies to financial markets to except technological innovation, but um, to like human life, basics of human life. Everything goes in a cycle. Everything starts at the bottom. I think, you know, goes through like a big growth and then a big decline and then it goes up again with a cycle. Um, so if you're able to understand the past and see like certain triggers, in certain events, um, you can use that to sort of understand where you're going to be headed in the future. So that's why I go to the past. I can learn about the future. Amazing. Yeah, I know. I'm gonna I'm gonna look back on this someday. And like, it's been really helpful to speak with you, Ivan. That was like pretty much all I had. Uh, yeah. You know, I always like to wrap up the episodes by asking the guests, "What question do you have for me or or my audience?" We have a lot of folks out here at Make School. Uh, they're learning CS. They want to make an impact, or anyone who's like uh, learning about technology and that kind of stuff. What question do you have for the for the Maker Nation? Okay, um, I guess I know you guys are big into like data, um, machine learning, neural networks, um, AI algorithms. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Are you guys big into that? Big on that? We have four concentrations, so like that's one of the data science, and machine learning, but it's, uh, we also got a lot of web people, you know, back end, front end, and mobile development, which we haven't really even discussed about. So, okay. um, yeah, I guess. 
question is like, where, where do you think technology is going to go in the next few years in terms of progress or decline? Do you believe there is a decline or progress? What do you think, what, like what you're building is going to sort of impact the future or help build the future? Amazing. And what's the best place for people to find you? Should, I, should we share the LinkedIn profile with that? Uh, I don't really use my LinkedIn. <laughs> um, just, just like, I don't know. Um, I, just, uh, I guess just comment on like GitHub, I guess. Um, I guess okay. I, I go through that a lot, but I barely use LinkedIn. Um, I guess, yeah, you can give me a message if you like. Um, I'll go through my email. I'll there, so I would actually help. Amazing, man. All right, Ivan. Again, super helpful episode, man. Thank you a ton. Uh, yeah, no worries. That's a wrap, man.